so I'll be covering mens rea today so essentially just the types of mens rea requirements and how they've been played out in case law so if we just look at the different types of mens rea from the highest to the lowest so the highest is intention so this is also known as purpose then there is knowledge so knowing something is likely then there is recklessness and then negligence so the first two are subjective and the second two are objective then the other two topics we'll be covering are willful blindness and transferred malice which are pretty easy i think this recording will be pretty short so starting off with intention the case of young states that for assault it requires an intentional application so intention is the, the desire to bring something about and if we look at um, the cases of Maloney and Wentworth these state that something being a moral certainty or just being an indirect outcome that is just very certain is intention and this is subjective the case of noel states that there is no rule that a person intends the natural and probable consequence of something however the case of noel also held that if something is reasonably foreseeable intent can be inferred as the outcome is just so obvious to happen that it is inferred that they had the intention to carry out that act so now moving on to the case i mean to the topic of knowledge this is also subjective in the case of crooks held that knowledge is accepting something as just having no serious doubt to occur it is believing that something is the case forgotten knowledge is a issue that comes up and the case of rawls rose or rawls r o w l e s states that forgotten knowledge would result in the finding that there is no possession however the case of martin adds a qualification to this and states that this forgetfulness needs to be complete it needs to be a complete forgetting of the kind of circumstances and it can't just be a mere like this has gone to my subconscious it has to be a proper like complete forgetting so moving on to recklessness the case of cameron held that something being a real possibility and that his actions would bring about the result in the prescribed circumstances is recklessness recklessness is also having regard to a risk and deliberately taking unreasonable actions recklessness is objective moving on to the to the case of scolay scolay held that you can persuade a jury that you didn't foresee an obvious risk however it depends on the credibility of a defendant so negligence is 
an objective standard as well and it just asks if the reasonable person would have been aware of a certain risk and would they have chosen to run that risk so I guess the case for that would be yoga saccharin where it was just a negligent standard that was required for the doctor to carry out his duties and he obviously had failed this note that this has now changed to a major departure so the case of yoga saccharin would have would have been decided differently today so following that we will now touch on willful blindness and in the case of crooks it was how that you can infer knowledge so if the def- if it's definitely like a virtual certainty that facts exist and the defendant knows this and avoids it it is willful blindness and this is a subjective question that is up to the jury to decide finally the case of noel which also talks about just inferring this kind of reasonable foreseeability and intent so finally the topic of transferred malice the case of chandler is the leading case for this and basically states that you transfer mens rea but it does not transform so if you if the accused punched a man but misses and punches a woman instead this does not transfer into i mean this does not transform into male assaults female it's just in a common assault so i feel like this recording was an absolute mess but that is mens rea So following mens rea, there's the issue of concurrence, also known as the coincidence of actus reus and mens rea. So essentially what this means is that an offence is complete when the mens rea and actus reus line up, and if these do not line up, there is no offence committed. So there are some exceptions to the requirement that mens rea and actus reus completely line up. And these are the continuing act doctrine, the omissions theory, the complete single transaction, and the causation theory. So there are four theories that um, result in exceptions to this rule of concurrence. So the continuing act doctrine, this was established in the case of Fagan, where essentially the act precedes the intent However, if the act continues and the intent then follows and the act is still continuing, the offence is complete as there is the lining up of both of the actus reus and mens rea. So the omissions theory is where the defendant has a particular relationship to the harm and therefore they have an obligation to act. So, doing nothing may raise a duty forming an actus reus. That is not such an important theory, but it's just one to mention. This was in the case of Miller, if I did not mention it. 
so the next theory is the most important one i would say and it's called the complete single transaction so this is where the intent precedes the actor's race and involves one laboring under a mistake when they are acting so this was established in the case of fable mally and essentially there was a, an assault and the accused thought that the victim was dead which he she was not he threw her over a cliff and she died from exposure at the bottom of the cliff not from the assault therefore the intent to assault was there however this intent was not aimed at the death of exposure as the act that actually killed her came after the intent so essentially what this doctrine states it's that a preconceived plan with intent at a certain point or a seamless transaction will result in concurrence so essentially if everything is part of a plan or everything is part of a seamless transaction where you cannot particularly separate out each event this will overcome concurrence as the intent preceding the actor's race essentially will line up so this was also backed up by the case of Ramsey where um the victim was unconscious from an assault and was gagged and put in a trunk and later on was found dead in the trunk it was unsure whether the injury or the gag had killed her here fable mallee's complete single transaction was not applied as there was no preconceived plan the case of kumar was a similar situation where the victim was assaulted and left unconscious and thought was dead he was then set alight and died of his burns although it was unsure whether he had died previously from the assault the new zealand supreme court stated that you do not need to apply fable mali if both acts logically are successive or connected within one continuous course motivated by the same intent the two acts are treated as one these acts can be separated by distance and time however they must be part of a continuous kind of single transaction so fable mali can apply to reckless murder moving on to the causation theory essentially the causation theory is based of trying to get around the issue of concurrence as well it's basically essentially a rephrasing of fable mali cases that back up the causation theory is firstly ryan where the defendant had robbed a service station and tried to tie up the attendant but reflex and shot him instead it was how that this was a long chain of voluntary acts and therefore this ended up being a cause of death this was applied in new zealand by the case of wick wick clift for manslaughter 
In the case of Royale, it was held that a victim is not considered a novice if the defendant's action was a natural and reasonable consequence of a well-founded fear in response to the offender's behaviour. Apprehension must be reasonable, but steps to flee do not have to be reasonable, just proportionate. The original assault in this case was still a significant operative cause of death and therefore caused the harm. If we just go and have a look at the case of Royal, it is essentially... Okay, I cannot find this. <laughs> I can't find it, but we'll just move on. The case of Lebrun stated that the defendant punched the victim, knocking him unconscious, then moving the victim, dropping her and cracking her skull open. Manslaughter was upheld as it was held that this was the same transaction. In the case of McKinnon, the defendant assaulted the victim with a head strike, who later on died from his own nosebleed by drowning in it. This was inflicted by the initial assault and therefore was held to be a significant and operative cause of death. So that essentially is concurrence, it is not really that difficult.